to be fair to Jerome Ings, he gets assassinated from that first one. He fucking just collapsed <laughs> to the ground. And Kanza swiveled quite well, like you said. Jerome Ings still dead. Fucking can't react in two center, two center halves combining in the box for fuck's sake. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time I've seen Konza pass the ball to Mings and not wanted to fucking throw me remote control at the TV. <laughs> Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. I'm being serious, but have you ever seen a team play like this? <laughs> An Aston Villa team anyway. So economical with their possession. Like every time they have the ball, they want to create a chance. And on days like this, they usually do create a chance. They're, they're very cutting. They're relentless. They're so damn good sometimes. And this must be the first mid-March in three years that we haven't been on the beach. <laughs> and and why, why would they be on the beach? Why would they be on the beach when the grass is as enjoyable as this? Like, everything Villa do or try to do in this guise under Unai Emery makes sense. Some days. Some... <laughs> and like so much, like so much of it is just logical. We can all see what they're doing. We can all see the effect of it. It's so effective. And it's, it, it's that good that I'm thinking the goldy bronze gilet actually looks good as well. Like this, everything looked good today. It was fucking brilliant. This is just who Aston Villa are now. I mean, we swat away teams like this. We we have an off day against West Ham and we get a draw in a game we should have won. But other than that, we just blow these teams away. And with Bournemouth, we didn't even we didn't even have to inhale before we blew them away. <laughs> and it, and it, might, it might seem like I'm focusing on the opposition too much there and not praising ourselves, but I am praising us because we're just so good. We expose Bournemouth for what they are and we did it with such ease. It was incredible. The chances we create in every game, it's not just this game. Like the Leicester game is the only time you can really say we played bad, but even that was just four or five absolutely horrific individual mistakes. We're incredible. Unai Emery is the king. Hashtag UTV addiction. And on, on, on the other side, it's like, you know, people people slag us off for not being able to pronounce Bournemouth. I mean, like, why would we take time out of our days to learn the name of a team that are up and down more regularly than John Terry's cacks? I mean, <laughs> the, the, their manager can't even get his initials put onto his jacket properly. Like, G-O. They're not the initials for Gary O'Neill. His initials are roller appropriately, G-O-N, and he'll be gone in a couple of weeks by the time this club gets relegated. <laughs> well, do you know the way I'm always upfront and honest about my mistakes? And I, own up to them? <laughs> I think it's about time we turn the tables. I think I'm going to be upfront and honest for you. I'm going to bring a real life WhatsApp winge on your behalf forward to this podcast. It was the 2nd of March. Oh, don't worry, Conan. I was going to bring this up myself. <laughs> Seven thirty-six a.m. So I'm just imagining the scene. <laughs> <laughs> clocks, the clocks haven't gone forward yet. You're sitting. It's dark. You're having a bit of breakfast, ready to go to work again, and you're going through some stats, and you're texting me at seven thirty-six a.m. <laughs> you're saying our seven midfielders have scored ten goals between them. Full stop. <laughs> My alarm isn't even set yet. And then 7.38am, you've obviously just looked at it some more because you got no reply out of me. 
if you don't count Bond D and continue, it's five from five, Midfield. <laughs> we'll add three more to the list. <laughs> Conan, I'll be honest with you, that's not what I was going to bring up. The one I was going to bring up was more slagging you off, but we can probably do that in WhatsApp windows. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. The one that you were going to own up to was slagging me off. Well, well, <laughs> we'll talk about it in WhatsApp windows of a feeling, I know what it is. But the first goal... The first goal, Doug is so easy. I just have capital letters written down in my little notes here. Taking men on. Like this is this is, I think, the marked improvement between you and I Emery and, and anybody else. It's just take them fucking on. Let's see what happens, especially like you say, when it's teams like like the visitors today. <laughs> <laughs> Like taking it to the middle starts with Douglas Louise, just sauntering forward. He gives it to Watkins. Watkins squares up his man, cuts inside, has a block shot. Leon Bailey picks it up, explodes past his man. He goes a little roundabout way. You're thinking, oh, he's coming on to his left. No! Goes on to his right. We know what happens when he goes on to his right. Brilliant dirt of a ball pulled back, and it's, it's a tidy finish from Douglas Louise. He's followed up his run. There were five men just standing around in that box in an open play attack that started with our centre midfielder on the ball in centre midfield. We have five men in the box. I, I think Bailey takes a terrible first touch because he wants to get that out of his feet for a spank on his left, which is weird because every time Leon Bailey goes on his right foot. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the big thing here, of course, is the energy, the exuberance, the, the urgency he showed when he saw the ball dropping. That's exactly when you want somebody to do that, because there's a chaotic scene in the box. He wanted to make something happen. He wanted to catch them cold. And it was absolutely ruthless from him. And all that energy he expended must have fucked him over for the rest of the game, because he didn't do another thing in it. But that was enough, Conor. <laughs> no, it was enough. And we'll give him credit while we're talking about this goal. It was uh, it was very well done. It was a great ball, like I say. And the gap he opened up in that short amount of space was frightening just the way he exploded to the byline and, and got onto his right foot with a bit of space. Well, we'll talk about it the... Was the it, it was the fact, sorry, that he didn't... The shot wasn't there and he's left and he didn't just have it anyway. He didn't just smash it on the body. Yeah. He decided, fuck, I'll go around the long way and I'll get a goal from it because I'll be on my right foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a bit of cerebralness into this play as well. Like, so decision-making, good. Burst, pace, good. Ball on his right foot, obviously, is going to be good. And then Douglas Louise, <laughs> yeah, just, just tidy finish from Douglas Louise. If he misses, don't like, let's be honest, we're going to, we're, we're going to like say he was shit, even though he's brilliant. But uh, <laughs> I still like the way he pulled it, pulled it away from the goalkeeper. I know, I know of a certain striker who might not always do that sometimes in that position. But uh, <laughs> we'll talk about the handball because I'm keen to get back on to the good vibes of this game. But it's a corner, it's a Douglas Louise corner into John McGinn, who has time to turn and stand and look, and he picks out the ball. It's a lovely pass. <laughs> a lovely pass to Jacob Ramsey. It's a good strike, and it's a brilliant intervention by Stevens with his hands. I mean, <laughs> well, I just don't think they know the rules anymore. It's, it's frightening. We're seeing more and more of these decisions. It's happening more often, even though they're being highlighted with more intensity and more anger every time. And, like, this was fucked. I, I I said far enough away. Like this was far away where the shot was, where the defender was, because it was shit defending initially. It's far enough away from his body, obviously, and he's turned his body. He he's afraid of the ball hitting him on the chest. He turned his body and put his hands out where he was afraid to keep his chest. It's very clear. It's obviously a penalty. They look at it and they don't give it. Like the ref doesn't give it. The, the other referee, the other paid qualified referee at the highest level of sport 
doesn't give it with the benefit of replay after replay after replay. And you know, we, we know what's going to happen now. Like this is the this is going to be the the follies that we see every single week after every single weekend. Darren McGallagher is going to show up on Sky Sports. He's going to bring his English accent on the Sky Sports, even though he's he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to say it's a difficult one. He's going to say he has sympathy <laughs> with the referee. No, no sympathy for the millions of pounds at stake in these games. Like even for mid-table teams, there's millions of pounds at stake here. No, no sympathy for the mental health of the millions of people watching over and over these mistakes being made. Then we're going to get PGMOL coming out after Darren McGallagher. They're going to apologise. They're going to apologize when you see a headline. Apologies to Villa and four other clubs for the wrong decisions at the weekend. <laughs> that'll, <laughs> that'll be it. And then Howard Webb is going to front up. And that's going to be enough for Gary Neville and whoever else to say that we think we've got the right man in charge. Because Howard Webb is going to front up for what must be the eighth time in five weeks. And he's going to say, <laughs> he's going to say, football, football has told us that should be a penalty. You know, as if we've learned. And you know what the thing is? It's never the referees telling us that should be a fucking penalty. It's never the referees telling us that should be a right call. It's never VAR. It's never Dermot Gallagher a day later. It's always football. It's always fans who are complaining enough that they end up having to put their hands up and say, sorry about that, got that one wrong again. <laughs> All right, what a beautiful routine, though. And you, you'd, nearly, you'd nearly think Dougie only scored those two corners earlier in the year to free up the space for this routine. I mean, it's, it's absolutely perfect it's perfect from McGinn but like he said Bournemouth are so poorly set up that he doesn't even have to use his arse when he's on the byline it's it's incredible and if that's not a penalty <laughs> but 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 of course fucking G.I. Jones didn't see anything wrong with it I mean do, do you think Rob Jones do, do you think Rob Jones fought in two world wars for a ball hitting off someone's hand to be given as a penalty Colin Look, he he looked like he had fucking Ross Barkley as his linesman as well, and he was having he was having too many flashbacks of being asked to run the last time he was at Villa Park to be to be thinking clearly there. And I I honestly honestly think if you walked into the VAR van, you'd find Atwell smoking a fag with his feet up on the control panel. Like, Stuart, what are you doing? What you're supposed to be refing this game? It's like what, what what do you mean? Fucking Private Jones is refing it. He's great. Look, looks like he's forgot his whistle. No, look, you're supposed to be watching the replays and deciding if he's made the right call. Oh, oh I, I thought they'd just give me all the monitors as a reward, you know, best seat in the house type stuff for, for not interfering with any of the games I was reffing all season. Like, what did you think all the buttons were for? Like, I don't know, to, to change the channel. I did think it was a bit weird that they had, had Villa Burnmouth on, to be honest. So I just assumed they were giving me... I just assumed they were, they were giving me the option to, to channel hop. But I would never make a decision like that. I mean, I'd try to avoid making decisions, really, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and there was a second one as well. Again, not given less obvious. But still, I don't think this is in the same category. But we really do have to keep an eye on those defenders that are dropping to the ground. And the ball hitting her arm. Like, it's not... You can't dive to the ground and put your hand on it and let the ball hit you. That's not what happened here. But it was Stevens again. It was very close to that happening. And because we had this one before, I was just like, give us one. Give us one of them anyway. Even, <laughs> even it up. Like, surely, surely Atwell, after that conversation, now realizes that he should be looking. At he's, he's on it. He, he's maybe looking to rectify it, but obviously he's not. And look, I was sort of happy enough to let that one go because not long after, Ezra Konza seemed like was doing his best to give Solanke a penalty as well. So there were a few little heart and mouth moments there. 
Ezra Konza didn't foul Solanke. He had his hands on him. His feet were very close. Let's just say, let's just say, I seen them given for West Ham against Aston Villa. <laughs> yeah, and Konza had another one disallowed as well. And like, I'm, I'm sure Stuart Atwell must have been feeling guilty about taking money for doing absolutely fuck all during that game. Like m- money that could have been money that could have been rediverted into the the Premier League charitable fund and help grassroots football. You know, fix a few pitches for underage teams or building closed changing facilities in economically deprived areas that he must have just been thinking god i better do something to justify my salary and of course <laughs> this is when he gets involved whenever villa score a fucking goal <laughs> well they did score a second goal and football really is a simple game i'm sick saying it liam i am sick saying it <laughs> get it up get it up to Watkins, douglas louise free kick get it up the old pillow head there sit like douglas louise just waited he was looking at Watkins, and are you going to come on side here and as soon as, as Watkins came on side, Louise just floated it up towards his pillow head and he nestled that bad boy onto the velvet cushion that is the crown of his head and he he sets it up for, for a good old Jacob Ramsey and, I mean, JJ standing someone up, having that menacing, kind of disrespectful look in his eyes. It's like a killer look if you see it back, if you see it from behind the defender. It's, it's the eye of the tiger, really. And he, like, don't... Don't sleep on Watkins here because Watkins' instinct was to make that run in there. And before Ramsey pulled it to the left and got away from the defender, Watkins seemed to know that's where he's going to go. So I'll just go around mm-hmm. behind him here. And he just gave Ramsey the space. Who, who did the rest. A great burst. And he put it put it low to the side of the keeper. Two moments that we've we've been sorely missing for the last number of weeks. And it's absolutely lovely from old Pillowhead Watkins, like he said. And in... And, in fact, it was so soft and comforting that the entire Bournemouth backline drifted off to sleep and weren't expecting <laughs> the Ramsey shuffle as well. And this is this is the thing about JJ. So good that I'm surprised his managers don't just say to him, just just go out and fucking score. Yeah. Uh, Jared did exclusively say that to him and the whole team actually for over a year. But we don't need to get into that again. And <laughs> Jacob Ramsey actually did his best to miss, but he hit the back of the netto. And what what was he what was he playing at? I mean I know JJ did what you're told and kept it low and hard, but Neto looks like he was playing five aside in his jeans and didn't want to drop in case he dirtied them. Like he, like he didn't even really, he didn't even really look like he was expecting the shot. He just kind of ambled over the top of it and put his arm towards the ground. It was, it was dreadful. I actually thought JJ fucked it up and got lucky with it and probably deserved the goal from his performance and just from the absolute brutality of skinning that guy in the box. <laughs> yeah. And then the third, uh, the icing on the kick, it was from, of course, Big Buendia from a corner. We finally got a goal from a corner, although the corners were looking menacing all game. And it comes in from Douglas Away. Tyrone Mings flicks it on. No, sure, that was awake and he's checking offside from a corner. <laughs> he's checking offside from a corner from a flick on on the byline. Like, this could. What? And why did it take so long? Like I, I honestly no, like the image that you've painted, I have him putting the fire out shit and going back because if, <laughs> if anybody if anybody had have thought about that goal for once, they thought it back. It's like, well hang on, it's taken from the corner flag and hang on, Tyrone Mings is on the byline. What what like <laughs> you wouldn't need to look back to realise what like and I think the commentary team were right to think it must be a push. Because obviously they thought through the steps of this goal as well. <laughs> Hitting from the byline, hit from the byline, headed from three yards out. Like there's, there's no possible way that's offside. Uh, no, absolutely ridiculous. But trying to understand what's going on through that man's head is uh, like it's a fool's <laughs> errand, really. 
And this was the first thing that uh, Buendia did in the second half as well, and he didn't even know he did it either. I mean, it's an absolutely, <laughs> it's an absolutely beautiful corner. And it's one I'm actually surprised we don't take advantage of more regularly because I don't know how you defend it. I mean, if you've got Tyrone Mings at the front post, how do you stop that if the if the ball is in any way decent? And if he gets anything onto it, literally anything can happen after that, as Buendia found out when the ball hit him in the face. But, like, you know, all Tyrone Mings has to do is get anything in that, any little glance, and then it's just chaos. And Tyrone Mings is almost certainly going to win the ball at the front post. How often does Tyrone Mings not win a header? At all, you know, at, at any stage, so just fucking try that one out a lot more often. Yeah, it's good advice. It's sound advice, and I've never, as much in my life, looked forward to talking about all the missed chances we had as well. It's going to be a fun <laughs> podcast. It's a great day. We'll see you at WhatsApp Winges. Look, we all know WhatsApp Winges doesn't always age the best, <laughs> and that's why it's worth fronting up. And that's why it's worth admitting when you make a mistake. And that's why it's worth me pointing out a new category that I had invented for a few minutes. And it was called, (laughs) did Ramsey try a shit pass instead of banging it from 18 yards again? And the answer was yes. (laughs) The answer was yes. He tried to play walking through, defender cleared it away. And it was like, just fucking have a shot. It was on his left foot. Just hit it. And he tries to play it through. And I was... I was keeping a keen eye yet again. I know we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. I know we've been saying, why doesn't Ramsey shoot? But I was serious as well. Why doesn't Ramsey shoot? I don't know why Ramsey doesn't shoot, Conor. I think I've said this the last couple of weeks as well. We're all in agreement. We all want to see more and expect more from the most talented player in the squad. A couple of finds as well, like Douglas Ruiz found touch early on, trying to find Alex Moreno, just hit it out for a throw-in on the left. Ramsey hit one out for a goal Try- kick on the left as well, trying to find poor Alex Moreno. Yeah, I think I think Jacob Ramsey. Jacob Ramsey was trying to find a future essence of Alex Moreno because there was no fucking hope he was getting onto that ball. And immediately before that, I think it was McGinn tried to play it to Moreno as well before Moreno gave it into Ramsey for the impossible one-two. And it was played about three yards behind Moreno, <laughs> running around ragged after balls that were fucking terrible in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> And then Leon Bailey was in the other one who found touch as well. He did that out and in. He was looking for Buendia down the right. The commentator, we're watching this. We know that he kicked the ball for a throw. The commentator said, cheeky little ball. Really, really <laughs> clever. You have time to say these things because it's out for a throw-in. <laughs> the, pass, the pass went out for a throw-in. And then Forsey Jack got onto us on Twitter. <laughs> this, is a, this, this is brilliant. This is somebody knowing the category, knowing what should constitute as a fine or not. And somebody who knows the ground very well, Villa Park, way better than I do. And he said, can the ground staff get a fine, please, this week? Doesn't take much effort to jet wash off that dugout roof. <laughs> either that, either a jet wash or some plant or flowers and veg and all that shit. <laughs> Well, I think the the last thing Leon Bailey would have needed was a bit more fucking water going onto that grass. I mean, as, as if he wouldn't find it difficult <laughs> enough to keep his feet or figure out where he was going. I mean, yeah, that's sprinkled onto the grass, made it that a little bit more slippy. Jesus Christ. Uh, the first WhatsApp winch, uh, it's not really a WhatsApp winch, it's more of an observation, really, but... <laughs> Do you know why I'm stopping here? I'm trying to pronounce Bournemouth. The visitors <laughs> won 
the visitors won their first corner. They won one corner at the very start in the first half. And they won three headers in our box from that one corner. <laughs> and all compounded because it was an unnecessary corner as well. That was the one that Solanke had a shot and Martinez's butter hands hit it out for a <laughs> out for a corner. And then suddenly they're they're all winning winning headers above every single Aston Villa player in our box. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It is something that's absolutely going to have to be sorted out. Probably won't be until the summer, though, but it's it's a big, big area for improvement for Aston Villa. And if we can sort this out, then we're going to be an even more fearsome team because the last couple of games, now I know the teams we were playing would make you think this as well, but the last couple of games, the only chances teams really had were from set pieces. and we, But we do look vulnerable from it and you don't want to be throwing away silly fucking points because you can't head a ball away from a corner. No, like this is brilliant. This is um, this is all off the back. This run of you and I, Emery, sounding and feeling pretty sick after the second game where we can see the forward out with the one against Arsenal, and he wasn't happy with the two, four two losses at home. Like you mentioned the Leicester one, that was four mistakes. I've never seen the like of it. It's a sort of game you're trying to talk to somebody who didn't watch the game, and they just think you're you're being being a child really where you're saying oh you wouldn't believe it was four mistakes otherwise we would have won but it's actually what happened but uh this this run now it's it's three clean sheets out of four games and it's it's a penalty that that was a dive that's all we've conceded in four matches it really is incredible talk about somebody addressing that problem as well whilst at the same time like addressing that problem and not losing anything the other way if anything yeah. was just we're just getting better and better going the other way that's the big thing, really. Anytime, you know, Smith tried to tighten up or Gerrard tried to tighten up, my fucking anus needed to type, tighten up as well because <laughs> it was fucking, I was on the verge of shitting myself just watching the games because we never looked like we were going to score and our version of tighten up was just waiting for the other team or hoping that the other team wouldn't score by getting everybody back behind the ball. But we have never looked like, we have, ne- like, under Unai Emery, we've looked like we're going to score in every game we've played. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. And even if it's just for a flurry of 15 and 20 minutes, we look fucking really dangerous in, in every game. And we'll have two or three of those flurries as well. The games are playing bad. I'm thinking about the West Ham game where we played badly, but we still dominated and had loads of potential chances during that game as well at different stages. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Like this one hasn't aged well either, but it, it still is worth asking: Why is Douglas Wee's not shooting at all anymore from corners? And I, <laughs> I, I, I do know how ludicrous that sounds, but it, it's it, it's so effective. Like I've never seen him any time Douglas Wee's a shot from a corner, the ball's either gone into the net or it's been bad at clear for another corner, or the team are scrambling it off the line. It's just chaos. It's it's worth doing again. He hasn't done it. And I, it's, a, it's, it's a really bad game to pick it up. Uh, you know, we, we, we scored a goal from a corner. We got this allowed goal from a corner. And another corner should have been a penalty as well. So <laughs> in a sense, Douglas Ruiz created three goals today from his corner. So that's good. But it's <laughs> That's all, that, I think that was the only thing missing though But because the, the variability in the corners was absolutely brilliant so many of the routines were, were excellent if you just had had one or two little spanks in there as well it would have been the perfect day out for Austin McPhee in an attacking sense <laughs> I actually want to mention Austin McPhee in a defensive sense in the Glenn Whelan award when we get to the, the award categories after this but this third whatsapp range is a test of how progressive i i really am and i know you're already questioning how progressive i really am but (laughs) (laughs) 
Buendia lost the ball a lot on the halfway line. And I get... I get that's going to happen. And I, I see the reason. I see the way we're playing. We're moving through the lines. These guys are, are, are tucking into those positions. And Buendia is creating a lot of chances. He, he's Every time he gets turned on the halfway line, he's, he's, he's making something happen. So the question really is... Is it, is it worth it? What do you think of him? <laughs> what do you think well, of him losing the ball so much on the halfway line? It's absolutely worth it. Do you know when he loses the ball? Whenever he doesn't get turned on the halfway line, Emmy Bundia, every time he loses the ball, he's turning the wrong way. It's like he's made the decision to you know to tighten up to keep the ball to try and keep possession, and he's trying to turn back, and then he gets into trouble because the big fucking lumbering. Burnmouth centre or centre midfielder is just coming back in that direction, so he's turning into men. It's whenever he starts doing stupid things like play it the way you see it, all that nonsense. Whenever Buendia gets turned, the space is opened up. Like that one that uh, Emmy Martinez flung out to him. Like he had to, yeah. he had to tell Buendia to take the ball. It's like Emmy, Emmy, Emmy. Yeah. yeah, it was incredible, and it was a brilliant pass from Martinez, and the space was there. That's why do you know, Martinez is roaring at you from fifty yards away because he doesn't think there's space there to go. Martinez was really excited yeah. when he saw it because the space was there. And then Emmy Bundia turned back like he wanted to give the ball to Dougie and he just lost the ball. Anytime he gets the his body and the ball in between the, the midfielder that's coming, he's either going to win a free... Everybody is either going to win a free kick. And if you're Emmy Bundia, <laughs> you're going to play a ball to somebody who's free on goal. But think about the options he has coming off him as well. When, if Bundia gets turned, he's got Jacob Ramsey, Alex Moreno, Ollie Watkins running. Why would you not turn forward? Fucking yeah. go, Emmy. It's definitely worth it. He just needs to be told to fucking turn whenever he gets the ball. Yeah. Finally, like really good to see David Brooks back. Like that that's an amazing story. And uh, the, the childish WhatsApp dickhead in me unconsciously thought no control over this. The first thought I had was Jesus, I swear to God, boys always come back from injury against us. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> I was feeling sorry for myself on that. Like when I when I caught it, when I when I kicked in my conscience, I was like, "That it's fucking brilliant." Fair play to David Brooks, but it is like, look out for it. People are always Wilfred Zaha was recently. People are always out for a few weeks, and they're always coming back against Aston Villa. But like I say, absolutely delighted that David Brooks has come back in this game in any game, really. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. It's great to see him there, and great reaction from the whole stadium as well. It was lovely. Yeah, all right, we'll leave that there. Oh, we'll oh hang on. Today. Sorry, you want, to, oh. you want to leave the WhatsApp winches there, do you? Yeah. All right. You don't want to bring up the one you sent to me on Monday? <laughs> I don't even remember what that was. What was it? I thought, I, thought, I thought it couldn't get worse than the David Brooks thought. No, you're obviously, <laughs> you're obviously just commuting home from a tough Monday and work and you sent me a message. By the way, mate, Billings and Solanke are going to end Kanza and Mings. <laughs> <laughs> your whatsapp winches at least they were based on fact and stats I mean this, this one <laughs> this one has potential to end me <laughs> you're right I probably shouldn't have brought that up who would have known <laughs> that during whatsapp winches the most irrational moment of the show that you could look <laughs> even more stupid than you normally do <laughs> alright I'm leaving it there and we're going to the award categories <laughs> My target being taken off is the easiest decision that Dean Smith has ever had to make. And that includes that includes sanctioning the loan move of Samata. <laughs>
ball sits up for Matt Cash on the half volley. How's your left foot? How's your left foot? He falls on his hoop instead. <laughs> They're on alert whenever Danny Ings is on the pitch. And whenever it's Bertrand Trory that's on the pitch, they're just, they're on their back laughing. <laughs> Do you remember American History X, where he's biting the curb and then he gets the stood on? Like, that, that's what Matt Target did, instead of just clearing the ball. He just fell too first into the ground. Yeah, and that's what Matt Target makes me feel like. Go for <laughs> it, just do it. Just stamp on me. It's worth noting that there was a Bournemouth... <laughs> God, I need to just say it and stop being so worried about it. It's worth noting that there was a fan page belonging to the Cherries and on, <laughs> on YouTube they had you know, one of those big um, thumbnails pictures that you see with the text going across it and it, it questioned is Villa Park our playground? <laughs> Jeez, it's like where where do some people get their arrogance from? I get you know they have had a, a couple of good times at Villa Park over the last couple of years, but they haven't had you and I Emery at Villa Park. And you and I Emery just rocked up, rocked up into their playground, their apparent playground, and he toyed with them like that was a, that was a humbling session for this outfit. Who I think the title of the YouTube video then was why the cherries shouldn't fear going to Villa Park. And I think you stopped there trying to remember what the rest of the title was, but I'm sure the next one they do about the post game will just be why the, <laughs> the pain they would have felt because of that. I mean, that was just an absolute annihilation. Pathetic. Yeah. And it could have been more, so we'll we'll, we'll start talking about them. The, the first nomination for the Rosenthal Award Ollie Watkins gets us through the baby. It starts with Buendia turning, lovely turn around the halfway line, and Nicky's like, on the right hand side. And that ball to Watkins. Buendia always does this. These passes, they're very deceiving. They, they initially look lazy or under hit, but they're obviously going to somebody else that I haven't seen. And <laughs> it's, it's going into Ollie Watkins. And it's like, it's predicting where the defenders are all dropping back to and he's just always sliding that ball in between the defenders and the midfield and Ollie Watkins picks it up, gets it to Bailey and ugh, Bailey doesn't shoot and then he looks for a penalty and then he tries to shoot from the ground. It's just a mess in the end. Yeah, yeah it was an absolute mess. And you're right, every time Buendia gets turned, he plays these amazing passes. <laughs> now it's just about getting him turned. Yeah, because in the second nomination, Buendia gets turned. <laughs> this was the amazing move and there was a couple of these as well like, talk about I think the fans already from one game to the other at Villa Park have really understood that this is worth doing keeping the ball around the back because we're not we're not just dicking around the back we actually are now trying to build and like this, this one was um, going from right to left and we ended up working our way to Buendia <laughs> again it's, it's, it's the one that Watkins drops off to Ramsey so we get it forward to Watkins and Ramsey just gone into that little that little hole to the left hand side of Watkins as Watkins facing back down the pitch and Ramsey goes gets it gets it across to the right table in the uh, who now just has a, a he can pick out anything really but he gives it to Bailey and I know it's tight but he needs to show me that he's trying to bang that straight away like he's, he's just trying to drop it in to Bailey and then Bailey he's got a man to his left he's got a man to his right 
and he ends up just running into both of them, but he needs to just shoot straight away. Ah, yeah. Like so, sometimes, sometimes doing the crazy thing, like shooting from a from a bad angle from far out, is just the right thing to do because the options are gone and you're going to kill the momentum. And he just got that wrong. Didn't get much right. Yeah. Though, fairly. Phil Billing, there you go. I told you he'd be dangerous. He had a <laughs> he had a header and he had a free header because you're always going to be able to pick out a cross from our left back slot because and it's not always Moreno's fault. He's way up the pitch. There's that space there, and they can stand and pick out the cross, and they're always going to win a free header in our box too. Apparently, and Phil Billing gets up and it's a terrible header from him. You should really you should really be scoring. Never mind not hit the target. Yeah, and that's why I text you back saying, Philip Billing. <laughs> uh, Ollie Watkins, I mean, this this was actually brilliant from Leon Bailey as well. Martinez plays it straight up to Leon Bailey. It's great strength. He's up against a defender here. Great header, flicks it on to Emmy Buendia. Emmy Buendia again. And he's through. <laughs> and, and he can play it again to Bailey or Watkins because Bailey does go in fairness to him and then he, he sort of drops it into Watkins. I think Bailey actually could have got there as well, but Watkins wants it more. Ugh, he tries to chip the keeper. It's a one-on-one, essentially. He tries to chip the keeper. He's not, he hasn't done enough work to do that. He hasn't even taken a touch of the ball. He hasn't engaged the keeper in his path yet. He's just tried to chip him without showing that he's going to try anything and really just needs to caress it around the keeper, I think. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a bad finish from him. Beautiful flick from Bailey. I mean, it's a flick almost doesn't do it justice, really. It's a pass from the header, and yeah. then it's perfect from Buendia, and Watkins has to score, yeah. I mean, he has to sit the keeper down. The keeper's still standing up when he's trying to lob him. I think if he at least shows the keeper that he might go down the side, which is there for him, then the keeper might go down or at least move onto his, put his weight onto his left leg, and then the chip over his right shoulder is there. Look, it's a bad moment from Watkins. Yeah. Alex Moreno. Alex Moreno was dangerous down that left towards the byline today, and he I don't know did he not make somebody, but he 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 got inside so again. Another great spell of possession. This was the one that started with Bailey doing really well to keep the ball down at right back spot, and Buendia was down at right back spot as well. I mean, working over to the left, and Moreno's away, and he pulls it back for Ramsey, and Ramsey just shins it wide and. That's all well and good saying it with hindsight, you know, but he did have space to knock that onto his left foot and thump it, but he just tried to hit it with his right and never never got control of the ball. It was absolutely lovely, lovely football. I think Cash, Buendia and Bailey figure it out at the right-back spot, like you say. Probably a bit worrying that it took three of them. But then the, <laughs> the pass to Moreno was good. The wing play from Moreno was absolutely excellent. And then ugh, JJ tries to open his body, but he just opens himself up to criticism. So I'll pass back to you. <laughs> Douglas Louise had a header. Leon Bailey had a, a poor shot. It was one of those ones that was coming across the box. That he was going gradually across to the left-hand side of the box. And you knew he was shooting. And you knew he wasn't going to be on target. <laughs> and it wasn't. And then another Bournemouth um, chance. It was the, the, the Philip Billing free. You know, I do have to say... I thought he was too lanky to be standing over a free kick like this. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't look right. And he caught it well. He like He's going towards where Martinez is. But of all the attempts I've seen for shots in that direction, that was a very good one. He didn't look right standing over that free kick, but he didn't look right standing underneath the header as well either, did he? I mean, it was <laughs> it was absolutely... 
It was absolutely like it was a bad decision to go to that side. I mean, Emmy Martinez is too good of a goalkeeper. I mean, he spanks it well, but come on, like Martinez is about two foot from the post. It's not going to go in there. Yeah. It doesn't matter how well you hit it. And the Bailey yeah. one, this is the annoying thing about Leon Bailey because he made the right decision for the first goal when he turned back onto his right. This one, he wanted the shot and then he still wanted the shot and then he still wanted the shot and then he had it when he was <laughs> off balance and at a terrible fucking angle. It was such such a silly bit of play for someone who has just shown us that he's not a complete dunce by turning onto his right and getting across. <laughs> they should have had an equalizer in fairness. Slanky gets in behind Konza. Yeah, he missed though, uh. didn't he? He did, but like, what, <laughs> what's he doing as well? Like, terrible touches. Mings did well to yeah. recover, but he was only allowed to recover because of the touches. And the pass is, is definitely on. And if he passes it, it's a goal. Yeah, yeah. But this is why I text you back saying, Dominic Solanke! <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the space in between Cons and Mings that you've talked about before, I mean, that has a bigger fucking pull than a black hole. I mean, it just sucks every... <laughs> Sucked every centre forward, and not We just can't escape it. But luckily, the centre forward in question was your hero, Dominic Solanke, and he takes two or three <laughs> shit touches, like you say. Ah, uh, this one hurts the most. Bertie T. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Ramsey ball. Let's, let's be honest, it's a bad ball from Ramsey. Again, great play. It's a, we, we worked it from, from right back to left back, and again, he gets it up the line to... To Ramsey and he has to find Watkins there. Watkins might have been happy enough because he would have been one on one straight down the middle of the goal. That's not what he, wants. <laughs> he wants an angle, and uh, so it's still it's overhit and it comes to Leon. It comes to Bertie T. Sorry, and I'm excited. And he tries the West Brom shot. Uh. He tries it and uh, just rolls wide. Lovely, lovely to see it being pulled back out though. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's brilliant for Moreno to get the ball to JJ, and it's nearly, nearly brilliant from JJ. And like, yeah, Watkins can't get his leg up, and then it's very, very Bertrand Trory from Bertrand Trory. I mean, it's, it's so delicious that everyone wanted to complain to him, but it's just it's so close to being absolutely yeah, a good burger, good meal, good sit down for everyone. Everyone's just in the diner, happy, having won the game already, and they're just chatting about Bertrand Trory's. The big Bertie T burger that he just pulled out of his back pocket, but yeah. <laughs> uh, McGinn, like this was brilliant, great invention, just good urgency. It's good when you're supporting a team who want to get the ball down and play it, and he wins that free kick, and he just looks up, sees Watkins, plays him in behind. Watkins ignores the back post. Ramsey mm-hmm. was probably there if he had played it across. We knew he was never going to play it across. Maybe we don't really want them. The other is always nice to see him backing himself when he spanks it and wins the corner instead. If he already had a goal, I think he definitely tries to pick out Ramsey there at the back post. Yeah. And I think if we hadn't already had two goals at that stage, we would have been picking apart Ollie Watkins's <laughs> personality, <laughs> reputation, and ability as a footballer. Mings, Tyro Mings, probably the winner. Watkins is one on one as well as up there, but Jesus. Oh, I really wanted this one to go in a big, big build up, big, big roar of anticipation as he was coming on to it. This was just before the ball crashed off his head in the same style that it hit off Wendy's face. <laughs> <laughs> and Conza got a taste of blood because he had just scored. Then he did really well from the next corner and, and the deflection, it was only deflection that denied him and it went out. And, and then this beautiful ball across to Tyrone Mings who. I mean, I don't want to say that our six foot five centre half should score, but 
I mean, to be fair to Tyrone Mings, he gets assassinated from that first one. He fucking just collapsed <laughs> to the ground. Looked like a ball never hit him before. It was in- insane. And Kanza swiveled quite well. Like you said, it went out of play. And Tyrone Mings still dead. Fucking can't react then. Two centre two center halves combining in the box, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time I've seen Kanza pass the ball to Mings and not wanted to fucking throw me remote control at the TV. <laughs> But then the build-up to that as well, the pass from Bertrand Trory is absolutely filthy. It was exactly like his shot. It was so well disguised. Nobody was expecting it, except for our fucking new number 10, Esri Kansa, apparently. And fucking, you don't want to say to Romings that our six foot five centre half has, of course he should score from there. He should put the yeah. fucking ball through the net. It should be the people in the stand that are worried about that because he's so fucking close and he's so fucking big. It's a dreadful finish from the big man. Yeah, we know we can hit it hard. Like we see him hitting the ball eighty yards every time. Like we just, <laughs> do that. just love that into the roof of the net. Pretend Ollie Watkins is on the roof of the net. Just hit him, pick him up. <laughs> I think that's a winner, isn't it? Oh, I think so. And there was there was loads of other chances. Like you know, the Moreno had a snapshot as well, which I liked. Yeah. It was unexpected. Ramsey pulled it back to him, and he just has a shot from a stupid angle. But it was so unexpected, it might have gone in. Watkins had a swivel and a shot. Again, I liked it. It was just the centre forward taking control and deciding I'm going to have a shot here. On his left, from, yeah. On his left, yeah. And there was another one from Douglas Louise, a header that the keeper got down to. I mean, like, Dougie probably probably should have accepted he wasn't going to score there and tried something a bit more interesting, like flick it on. But sure then, I would just be saying he has to shoot from there. <laughs> if the pass is as tough as the shot, have the shot. But yeah, so many chances. And Tyrone Mings is the, is the easy winner. That's how bad a miss it was. Yeah. There's, I think there's an easy winner for the Peter Eichelman What the Fuck Award. And it's, yeah, it clearly is. It's John again back to Esri Conza. We can come back to that. We'll talk about the other two nominations I have first. And it was Bailey did something similar when he just further out the pitch back to Esri Conza. I, I don't know. I mean, you could tell from his touch, like the ball's just played up to him. And he's on the right wing and he's coming back towards our, our halfway line. And, you can tell from his touch, even though he's got loads of space, that he's going to just hack this out in a panic. He's going to he's going to hack it out any way he can, and he hits it behind Konza, not realizing or caring that Konza is our centre half who is moved out to the right, thinking we've got total control of this ball, <laughs> and then Leon Bailey just slides it in behind him, slides it in behind him for yeah for for the visitors to go through. <laughs> But Conan, you entered just a category a couple of weeks ago. Did Leon Bailey do the simple thing? You're, you're fucking up this young man's head. He doesn't know what you want from him anymore. And he tried to do the simple thing here. He's trying to just get it back to the centre half and turn it and go again because he's got his back to the opposition goal. The ball's not fully in control. So he's just trying to recycle the play. And though you're giving out to him for doing it, what is he to think? Do you think Leon Bailey can take on two different pieces of information? I want them to do the simple thing, not the simple thing. <laughs> there was a touch from Emmy Brindia as well. I don't know if you remember Days of the Box, you know, and we'll forgive Emmy Brindia. He's always, uh, he's always innovating. But he, tr- he tries to flick it behind himself and he ends up flicking it off his left leg and it goes behind him. And again, just, just one of those breakaways where the game was in the balance. It's like, oh, here, I don't need this. I don't need this right now. And <laughs> that was the same with Jacob Ramsey. And I'm never going to discourage him as well. I know I, I am conscious I do give out hypocritical information. I give him contrasting views of how the game should be played. And it's up to them to take it all on board. 
and then do the right thing with that information. So I don't want to say to Jacob Ramsey, don't you take the man on. But maybe, maybe when you're at the age of our box, don't you take the man on. <laughs> and that's when he lost the ball and compounded it by fouling, uh, I, think we, I think he fouled Billing as well, who had the free. Did he compound it or did he rescue the situation by foiling them and stopping them in their tracks after he had been stopped in his tracks? Yeah, maybe he did. Although this is all just a dance around the fact that John McGinn gave, <laughs> gave, <laughs> gave them an open net. They tried to play it back to Kansas. It's first time. It's blind. It's telegraphed. It's cut out. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, it's not cut out enough to go into the net. It just goes out for a, for a goal kick. Actually, really lucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is John McGinn in centre midfield. Sometimes weird things will happen. I mean, he's been really good the last two games, but this was just fucking cataclysmic. I mean, the, the pass, the pro- pass probably shouldn't come to him initially, and Ezri Kanza should go to him as well to try and give him a hand because Ezri Kanza is just standing on the byline trying to see what'll happen. That was a bit strange as well, and he can he can surely see the guy closing him down, and he has to cut it out, tell John not to play. He has to do something to try and stop that situation, but like. John McKinn absolutely under no circumstances should play that pass blind, playing up with his bad foot as well. It looked like he was so concentrated in getting the ball directly to Ezri Kanza that he didn't seem to check if there was anything in between him and Ezri Kanza. It was a bizarre decision and we got really, really fucking lucky. Yeah. The Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. What I did like, and I think the John McGinn, like that what the fuck nomination was such a good thing to show the contrast. John McGinn gets the ball in a similar situation in the second half and he just turns, he lets the ball come across his body, has a look behind him and he turns out and we're away. And it just felt like there was such a difference, a noticeable change in that second half of boys turning on the ball. Like we were doing it first 20 minutes, first 20 minutes were amazing. And then it started to drop off a little bit, but the way it was just ramped up again in the second half and it was a clear, direct, do not fall into that sleepy, safety first trap, the thing that he was so pissed off about at Arsenal. He wanted the boys to be brave on the ball and I feel like even though we were one up, even though the game was going into latter stage in the second half, we we just kept we, we kept showing more confidence on the ball. We kept taking more men on. We kept squaring up and, and going at them with three more men forward and like I say we turned on the ball as well it was good to not see us move away from the values that we're trying to instill because I was thinking when I saw the, the dip in this first half I was like, like that, that was some of the best football and most enjoyable football I've seen and then we stopped and how do you stop that happening and sometimes it is just saying keep fucking doing it just, just go back out and do it again a manager empowering you to do it but even just pointing out to you how successful it was in the first half. Yeah. And if you're not going to turn on the ball against a team like Bournemouth, who aren't pressing you particularly aggressively, then you're not fucking nothing. I mean, that game is set up for a team like Aston Villa, particularly with the midfielders that we have. It, it was always We were always going to slaughter them. They had to sit, come out with a completely different game plan or they were going to get done like they got done today. And... Playing that ball into midfield and the midfielders getting turned on it was so enjoyable. And that's why I was giving out about Emi Buendia not doing it at times because it was fucking on all the time. And if there's one player on the pitch I want to see you getting turned, it's fucking Emi Buendia as well. <laughs> so whenever whenever we did it, it was absolutely glorious. And if we didn't do it, it was like, why just fucking do it? It's on every time. <laughs> and I'm sure that's what Emery, like you said, was saying at halftime. Fucking turn. Yeah. Do you like them? We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. It's only Austin McPhee gets a nomination, but the, the corner after the billing free. So 
Austin McPhee is, is going crazy. He's out at the edge of the technical area. He's screaming. Like, he's actually out in front of you and I, Emery. Roaring. He's, he's basically doing a Jason Tindall on it. <laughs> he's, he's taking control of the situation. But I think he's telling everyone to get out. And I'm wondering, does this still count? Does this phase of play still count as his fault if they concede from this? Does this still include us conceding from a corner in Aston Villa's eyes or in Emery's eyes? And everyone's listening. They're all running out because he is frantically telling them to push out. And the ball goes over the top and we're caught out. <laughs> that was a shit touch from Solanke. I'm very surprised at Solanke. <laughs> and he goes out for a goal kick. But like, Jesus. I get he wants pressure on the ball, but everybody was spreading out. I don't know if it's Austin McBee's fault explicitly, but then the ball was just that left to right ball in over the top of Mings and Moreno when it was on because everyone was flying out as fast as he could. We were we were re- like we were almost unusually high for Aston Villa, and the only time uh, Bournemouth got in was from a ball over the top, and they almost got in a couple of times from it. But I, I was thinking during this game, maybe at the Aston Villa backroom team backroom team know more about football than Conan, and they wanted to get Dominic Solanke onto the ball as often as possible, knowing <laughs> that there'd be no threat. <laughs> and then you realise that that's obviously nonsense that they don't. <laughs> all right let's do the Vyman meter going up i mean we, we didn't even mention john mcginn last week we should have going up especially he's put into this position and he's doing mm. well in that position. he's doing better than we've ever seen him in this position it's double pivot and he's uh and he's not disappearing in it either as well he's actually really affecting the play um but it, it's it's also it's not just his arse, it's his strength. It's his shoulder on on Philip Billing on the sideline early on, just knocked him off the ball and turned back in, and really set the tone. Something like that as well. Big, brilliant Bournemouth player on the sideline, Philip Billing. We need to keep an eye on. And John McGinn just marks him, marks his card, realizes if I can if I can take this ball off Billing of all people, then the crowd <laughs> are going to be up. <laughs> and he gets his arse in him, gets his shoulder like you know. There, there's Obviously a size difference, but he knocks him out low. He turns on the ball, and it was just like, yes, it was nil nil at this stage. We are on it today for the start for this opening. Yeah, it's absolutely inspirational leadership. He just showed the rest of the team. Look, these players, Philip Billing, people like that, they're shit. Let's just go over and take the ball off them. But uh, John McKinn was absolutely brilliant. You're right. We should have mentioned him last week as well, other than just giving out about him having a shot. I mean, he was. <laughs> Somebody did tweet. I think it was Kevin. It was like, did you mention McGinn going up, or was it just for him shooting for thirty five yards? And I realized, I was like, yeah, it was just him shooting from thirty five yards. That's all we can muster from John McGinn's performance in defensive midfield. Yeah, uh, last two games. Like, and this is the thing. He's been, he's been playing at the level that he was playing at in the championship the last couple of weeks. Probably since Emery took over. Really, he's been that good. I mean, he's he, he looks like this is he looks like he's too good for the Premier League. The same way he looked like he was too good for the Championship. He's been absolutely brilliant, and it's it's great to see it as well. Obviously, because he's such a, a likable little bastard. But this this is what it's like. Villa are playing that effectively, and you know they're they're attacking that that easily. That it's like they're playing in the Championship. It's. It's it's like and like these teams that you're talking about, these cannon fodder teams for Aston Villa. No, it's like it's like we're playing the championship. Maybe like McGinn Villa are just too good for the Premier League now. But see, this is the, this is the other thing with Emery. We are a really really top team, and that's obvious from the results we're getting. Um, but we were always a lot better than we were. The players aren't that bad. We always knew that. How many times did we say that? There's obviously holes and places in the squad that need to be filled, but we were never 
we were never as bad or as fucking ponderous as we should. Like, you know, the, the amount of games were just plodding through them. We just never needed to be like that. If you play football, you'll be trusting people who became a professional footballer to play football is a fucking good starting point for any any manager. And if you can devise a system of play the way Emery has, getting the best out of these players, looking at the squad that he has, and deciding. How am I going to get these brilliant footballers turned on the ball as often as possible? And that's what we've that's what we've been able to do. Yeah, going up probably more than I've ever seen anybody going up, and not just because it, I thought he was bad last week as well, but because one of the best performances I've seen him play, and it was brilliant. Like, and didn't need to be that involved in attack or on the ball, but like Matt Cash, this was this was a monster performance. It was like. It was like he was playing under nineteen level. Like he was coming back from injury, and he was just too good for it. Like poor Jaden Anthony. Like what is 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 there an equivalent? Do you know the way an attacker puts a defender on toast? Like <laughs> is there is there an equivalent for a defender to not the attacker? Like did he serve him? Did he serve him mouldy bread for ninety minutes? It was just <laughs> like, absolutely dominated him. It, it was crazy. It was, it was such a such a man performance <laughs> like, like the, there was an interception on the halfway line in the first time. I know he had a couple of big interceptions on the halfway line as well which really just keeps the momentum going breaks any hope any heart that they might have breaks their attack their counter attack and it keeps the momentum going in our direction but there was one in the first half where he came in and it was that emphatic it went right through to the goalkeeper <laughs> he just came in and he was he minced the ball and then uh, whoever it was there just backed out I think it was Jaden Anthony at that stage thought I'm getting away from this psychopath but uh, he was just pushing boys out of the way running back out with the ball I, I actually don't think he put a foot wrong today it was one of the most complete defensive performances I can remember yeah, it was. It was incredible. The best way I can put it, it was like it was like Ashley Young playing in Matty Cash's body. I mean, he, he looked like he looked like he had all the noise, all the cleverness, all all the just being far too good for these boys I'm playing against. It was like Ashley Young, you know, two months ago, whenever Emery first took over, and playing playing with that. There was one where he just came inside, carried the ball, dummied a pass up the line, and just kept going and played the simple ball into our midfielders. Just such an Ashley Young type thing to do. But then the energy, the burst, the fucking crunch and tackle, which I was whinging about last week, being missing out of his game. It was brilliant. He was class. Yeah. I mean, we don't even need to talk about Douglas Oise going up again. He might be at the top of the lineman meter at this stage. Uh, Jacob Ramsey's obviously going up. Emmy Martinez is going up. I saw Aston Villa tweeting there. He's got 33 clean sheets now in 99 Premier League appearances. Like, it's a clean sheet every three games. Incredible. And the record is actually a joint record between Brad Friedel and Mark Bosnitz. So, you know, the company is in there, but they've got 33 clean sheets in their first 100 Premier League appearances. So, he's got one game to break that record, and he might just do it, and you know, he'll be absolutely mad to do it as well. <laughs> God love whoever makes the individual error in the next game to concede a goal. <laughs> but the best the best thing about Emmy Martinez's performances today was obviously he only played one hospital pass to, to Matty Cash. Yeah. And yeah. Matty Cash managed to keep the ball in play and re- recycle it as well. Of course he did. He was playing so well. But it's passing. He was pinging them. They were going out at about six foot off the ground into the fullback's feet. That's the most heartening thing because we all know how good a shot stopper he is and how dominant he is in the air. Yeah, it's all going the right direction. I only have one person going down. I don't like putting anybody down in a game like this, but uh, and I thought he was quite good today. Could have been going up always, but a couple of dives from Alex Moreno, worth pointing out. Just ones to keep an eye on. And if he thinks 
that I didn't notice him appealing to the linesman for an offside as well. Instead of just getting his arse back, he is kidding himself. <laughs> I was looking at this ball going down the left, and we know, like, Billy and Solanke are down that left. We know how dangerous that can be. And, <laughs> and Moreno was just sleeping. He's just not getting in on time, and he, he's appealing to the linesman like, to, to get him out of jail. And it's not going to happen because the run from Solanke was made in between Mings and Kanza, so we know he's, he's going to get away with it. We know what happens in that black hole. And uh, and then he just shouts to Mings, I think, to, to help him out of Mings. Mings, Julia, obliges. Marino was good. We just don't want to see the two dives going forward. Yeah, and we don't want them to see to not understand the Stuart Atwell's on VAR as well. So even if they are <laughs> offside, fucking get back, because it mightn't be checked. And the one where he... <laughs> The one where he grabbed his face was fucking utterly pathetic and has no place on any football round, least of all Villa Park. Yeah. All right, questions we can't answer, but probably will. I'm trying to think of an original way to talk about Gareth Southgate's hypocrisy, but <laughs> <laughs> I was very disappointed not to see Ollie Watkins in the squad. I think if you're Ollie Watkins now, you're thinking, well, like, what else can I do, really? I've, I've scored six goals in seven games and playing better than I ever have him one of the most effective strikers in the Premier League. Like This is the reason I was brought into the England squad a few years ago and scored when I was in the England camp. But, I don't know, it's a bit grim. And then Southgate's just doubling down now. He's only got, what, 18 months left in his contract, so he's going to care less. He's now just unashamedly saying that he's talking to the... He's picking the best players. He says best players. We all know that that's nonsense. Like it's best players in his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so he's, he's dropping this one a few years under his reign, and so everybody else can forget about form, forget about anything. It's just up to what Gareth Southgate thinks you're like. Well, actually, it's just up to whoever you're playing for, and then Gareth Southgate will have an idea of what you're like or a different idea of what you're like. And like, he had that quote about Sully March as well, and you know, it's just. Uh, if anybody like Ollie Watkins Sully March if you're ever going to bring people into the camp based on what they're doing based on what their clubs are doing based on what you can actually learn from people like Unai Emery and Roberto De Zerbi, like get these boys in now in a March camp not interested he's just not interested he's he's so boring he's so unfair and yeah it's, it's like you're seeing Brighton now going through what Jack Grealish would have gone through when Villa were on that little run uh, under Dean Smith, and and now you're seeing Ollie Watkins suffering the consequences as well of of a manager just set in his ways, really. Yeah, but it it is strange because he has had Watkins in before, and he's so attached to picking players that he's picked before, and because we know that just by looking at the squad, it's mad that he that he isn't just bringing Watkins back in when he's in this form instead of having a flutter on Ivy, Ivan Tony, and like, he was also shouting on about. <laughs> He's <laughs> shouting on about having. He's going to have to. He's going on about the number of players that are playing in the Premier League who are English now. It was down to twenty eight percent a couple of times this season. He was saying, and he's going to have to dip into the Championship eventually. Well, look outside the top six first. Like you know, you don't have to fucking worry about the Championship just yet. But imagine if think about the amount of players he's complaining about having to pick from as well. He needs twenty seven players. Yeah, like an, 28% of how many in the Premier League. Exactly. So if we say if we say every team has 25 players, then there's 500, 500 players in the Premier League. Like it, it, it might be a bit of crack, actually, to let you step through this mental arithmetic, but I'll let you in the wee secret here, Conan. This is, this is just lower order. This shite on is just a lower order cognitive skill, and I'm doing the calculations in my head now, but it'll look like I've just rattled off the numbers. You know, so if you go through the top five leagues, it's that's that's 
2,500 players. And I know, I know you might say you could probably be a bit more aggressive there and say it's, you know, it's, it's the top five leagues, but Premier League is, is at the top of that. But let, let's just play it safe. And I'd say if you look at the worst player in the Premier League as well, say Harry Maguire and dropped him into Brest, <laughs> dropped him into Brest in Ligue 1, he'd, he'd still make a hit of himself. So just say, let's just say the top, the top 2,500 <laughs> players. And there are there are a quarter of a billion registered footballers. So, so Southgate is whinging about having to pick from the top one thousandth of a percent of registered players, and that doesn't count the fucking muppets like us running around playing five a side now. You know, it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. And then it's so fucking arrogant, it's unbelievable. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to get Ogbeni and Obafemi into the same team. Like, you know, should we should we go for Brown or Jason Malumbi? Are Derby County's Jason Knight's ball playing skills worth it against France? Would, yeah. would you would you would you go for Umabama Deli in his first start in over a year? Maybe maybe for his pace against fucking Killian Mbappe? What is this plonker whinging about? Twenty eight percent of the best league in the world is English, and your best fucking player Jude Bellingham isn't even counted in that. Yeah, yeah, right enough. Ah, <laughs> uh, right enough. Yeah, it's um. It's going to be the same old stuff now for the next eighteen months, really, and it will probably have the have the same end result, really, in the coping against a better team. But look, we've got loads of time to keep repeating ourselves over that. But <laughs> <laughs> the only other question we can't answer, but probably will, is that Man City toast now in the Champions League? Is that Pep Guardiola going to freak out coming up against a decent opposition in Bayern Munich? <laughs> I fucking hope so. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if Nagelsmann could become the third manager in a decade to win a treble at Bayern Munich? But you know, the and the guy who was there the longest, not having done it anyway, whoever that was, that would just be be so enjoyable. The actual most exciting thing about this is that Napoli look like they've got a fucking decent route to the final, and that would just be fucking class to have a team like that in the final. Because God knows what could happen. Because I think the last couple of Champions League finals have been fairly dull. They've been fairly cagey affairs. And if you just have Napoli dropped on there, it's a fucking explosion yeah. of joy and thrilling football. I'm all in them. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be it'll be brilliant. And like it, it is exciting to see like Napoli on one side and then basically everybody else on the other. Side. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Holland might get dropped yet for one of these games. Um, scoring five goals scoring five goals in a knockout game might not help that case. But uh, the good news is, on top of the, all the good news of today and, and how enjoyable that performance was is that Sean Dyche's Everton scored an 89th minute equaliser against against Graham Potter's Chelsea. Now Villa hey! are two points, two points behind Chelsea. They're not in the top 10 if you were getting excited about that. <laughs> but, sorry, they're level with Chelsea who are in top 10. They're one point off Fulham who are uh, in ninth place. It's it's getting exciting. We're five goals behind Chelsea for anybody wondering the, the goal difference, but it's, yeah, it's, it's suddenly realistic again. It's not that fucking exciting though. I remember whenever we started going on this run, I was like looking up the table thinking Chelsea and Liverpool will eventually get their shit together. But we're going to catch Brighton, Brentford and Fulham now. What, when was the last time Brighton or Brentford didn't win? It's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> I saw the... I, was that, is that stat real that the last time... Like Brentford lost their last game there and the, the last game they had lost before that was Arne Dinks' Aston Villa. <laughs> They've that lost five games. It's incredible stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they only drew today as well, so like you know, maybe maybe they are eventually going to go down in this fucking downward spiral. But it's too fucking late. I wanted this to happen five games ago instead of just fucking <laughs> rattling off wins. Like they've rat- beaten Southampton, beaten Fulham, just rolling over these teams, like drawing with fucking Arsenal at one stage as well. They're playing like fucking Unai Emery's Aston Villa, and they are not Unai Emery's Aston Villa. <laughs> and when they cling to those receipts and bring them back up in, in 10 or 11 games time, you know, you might have Dominic Solanke and Philip Billing to throw at me, but I'll have Brentford and Brighton to throw at you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be fucking delighted to cast them in. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a million for listening been a pleasure as always please share or subscribe if you haven't subscribed as well or review or whatever else always appreciate the feedback so thanks again and hope you have a good weekend all the best the wind is calling my name and I-